Hello and welcome to Datum. This is season two, episode six, and today is a bite and we're talking about the data side hustle. Ravi, how are you? I'm not too bad. I'm fresh off watching Game of Thrones, so <laughs> I am medium. <laughs> that is You're my medium. reaction. <laughs> medium, okay, okay. That is it's my not, pop culture reaction for today. It's, it's not been a, a, a great season, I hear. I mean, it's it's basically been like this, the soundtrack and the cinematography. And the, if you're a film buff and you quite enjoy like ah oh, the the sort of angles and all that stuff, it's been great. Like the soundtrack, the score, the sort of effects and like where right. the camera's been and the, some of the shots have been incredible. Um, but yeah, the storyline just seems rushed. I think everyone's just, I think at the start of the season, I was speaking to some people. I was like, honestly, I just want it to finish and be like, ah, there we go. Done. And the, and there was a Starbucks cup and a water bottle, of course. apparently. Yeah. So- <laughs> Two, two, two uh, very unenvironmentally friendly references in the Middle Ages or wherever Game of Thrones is set. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. So yeah, no, we're back. We're back on the grind after uh, what I'd say is a, sort of a short break. Um, we're hot off the hot off the heels. I don't think we're hot off the hills, but yeah, we're following up from the last episode on behavioral design, which we sort yeah. of quietly released along with our new branding and our new style. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the switch over to the new brand and then we just didn't really push this episode so hard. So th- those of you that did listen, thank you. Um, it, it was, we didn't get much feedback on it. I think that that was in, in lieu of the, the quieter release of this one. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think the content we covered in that was good fun. Like we had a few like um, tangent rants and things like that, but it was good. overall... <laughs> Overall, I think we covered a lot of ground on the, in that episode. I think that's definitely one we definitely mentioned to come back to in about six months' time and sort of see what's changed, especially yeah, with our opinions. Exactly. I think we did it as a bit as well because I think it needed that sort of precursor um, episode to sort of take you through yeah, uh, the, the, the technicalities of it. And then when we come back to it as a bite, it'll be a very different topic where we'll be talking right. about the thing. So think of it as part one. It's, it's definitely not something that we're done with. We'll come back to it. Completely, completely. Um, today we're talking about the data side hustle. What's a data right. side hustle, Ravi? I think so. This is this is your term, right? This is your term right, for right. the um, the hobbyism and the things we do on the side to develop either our own skills or just a sort of a pet passion project to follow along with, right? So, um, for for you, I think that's quantified self, right? Like that's your it is thing. Indeed. It is indeed. Yeah, I've had a very quiet um, few. Actually, I'm going to say years with that. Mm. I haven't I haven't put much very much into so. sort of the open open sphere compared to. I think three or five, uh, three or four years ago, when I was, I was, I was pretty hard on it um, in, in the public sense. Um, and and yours is football, right? Correct. Yes, football analytics is sort of, was always my route into into the world of data and Tableau, and who I am today in a weird way, right? Because it's okay. um, this addiction I had to football manager or championship manager of the game, um, which then translated into like a moment of oh god, I can do this for a living, and you know, there is a faction of the sporting industry that can benefit from data so that that's definitely my, my passion project and it's something i don't do as much as i used to i used to blog semi-actively on uh, on a personal side blog of mine um, a lot of my twitter followers are from those days right. um and it's sort of t- tied down a bit but then I, I still produce some visualizations um in my opinion a bit better than i used to and okay. it's quite fun to see when you scroll down to my the bottom of my tablet public profile Oh, yeah, no, no. It's good to see sort of your progression uh, as you go on. We'll actually come on to this specifically mm-hmm. later on. Um, I have to say, you mentioned something about Football Manager. I don't know many people who play that game who aren't addicted. Uh, yeah. 
for reference, football managers, it's like a football simulation or for the Americans, a soccer simulation game right? yeah. where you don't actually play uh, the game like in FIFA, no. but uh, you just simulate the progression through a season, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's just it's just got more and more layers to it as you go on. Like you can play it as a really simple player, where like you just assign the best players, set them up in a formation, then let them play and win all the games. But then you've got like you set your own challenges, like I want to build a dynasty or build a team that has the average age of twenty five, and you're basically you're doing all the facet things of it within a team. You're doing the sort of financial management, the training. Right. Uh, you then winning cup well, it's it's just good fun you, you're getting sacked and fired and all this stuff i think even uh they've even got brexit in the game right so brexit <laughs> day comes in and then you can't sign foreign players wow um, it sounds so like a high side hustle in itself <laughs> completely no completely there's so many people that have um like they've got it on their cvs like taking forest green rovers from the national league to the champions league in seven years for wow. example but that's wow. a lot of time investment okay okay and, and it's funny just coming back to this sort of idea of a side hustle i think we both we, we both have these side hustles um a because i think we're passionate about them um but mm -hmm. also i think it's because we have a sort of an inherent interest in this area so um you, you've sort of talked a bit about championship uh, championship manager is it championship manager have I got it's right? football manager now football manager now okay great you've talked about football manager uh and uh, for me quantified self um it was you know really started when we we had things like fitbits coming to play i, I kind right. of when fitbits came out i envisioned this world where you'd walk around with a sort of health device on your wrist and i was always fascinated about the data that you could sort of get from these devices and it's taken a while to get to where we are today with apple watches that can you know do ecg readings off your wrist mm -hmm. um but uh, what's been fascinating is that i discovered this world of people who are doing way more interesting analysis than just step counting and um, mm -hmm. using data some of it probably mostly manually collected uh, but it's been a really interesting kind of uh, subject because it's involved a lot of technical skills and soft skills. So that's that's sort of what draw me drew me into quantified stuff. I was I was getting familiar with data. I found mm -hmm. this hobby that was data oriented, uh, and at the same time, I was seeing sort of different soft sides to data. I was seeing the kind of um, you know psychological effects of monitoring yourself and improving yeah. the quality of your life. Now, that's, that's really interesting because in terms of being drawn into football analytics it's it's it was always moneyball as the concept but then right. the second you started figuring out um and looking at the data that actually was collected from football matches by companies like opta and all these other data providers mm -hmm. um you realize that the the granularity was so important and then you sort of start thinking about like hang on can i spot players that people aren't knowing about do i, do I can i start looking at team styles can i see patterns that you might not be able to see because you're watching one match and um, there's all the anecdotes about um, scouts going to watch players. Right. Um, you're going to watch a single player and during a 90-minute match, you'll basically focus on that one player and what they're doing. Whereas data then allows you to watch 100, 1,000 players at one time and just mm -hmm. say set KPIs to saying, if they're hitting this consistently, then you know we, we look up and listen and start looking at the video behind that. So. Exactly, exactly. And but there's something to be said about uh, sort of the aggregate nature of that, right? So mm -hmm. you find people who are on paper technically good, but actually, when you go see them, there's mm -hmm. a softer side to the finesse of the way they do it that Correct. as a scout, I think gives you an edge over sort of the big the big data approach, right? It's not yeah. just that they're making those tackles and, uh, you know, scoring those goals, it's the way they're doing it that maybe leads you to believe that they can do it at a higher standard in, in a more sort of competitive play. So, so you mentioned your sort of in, uh, starting with Fitbit, um, yeah, yeah, and and going from there. Like, I, I remember we had a conversation recently where you were like, "Oh man, step count, that's so bushly. That's old school stuff. No one looks at step count anymore." <laughs> Have you seen that development, like how you understand and look at wearables, or 
Yeah, so it's interesting because wearables themselves are trying to do more as well. So right. there's this uh, big push at the moment to do with uh, well-being and healthy healthy mind and yeah, and mindfulness kind of, exactly. And the only thing that these devices can really do is remind you to do them and sort of nudge you to kind of do them more often. Um, but in 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 real terms, the technology hasn't really developed uh, to really sort of advanced state. I think if you take a, an Apple Watch or a Fitbit. At their heart, they're just doing what they did, you know, three years ago. They're doing it at better, uh, doing it a lot better at more increasing levels of granularity, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the other thing is accuracy as well. So whereas the step counter three years ago was a guesstimate, uh, today's step counts are a little bit more nuanced. They can detect things like swimming, running, cycling, and so on and so forth. So they can more accurately detect activities that you're up to. But um, the classic example I always give is that let's say you took your Apple Watch off and you, mm-hmm. you left it in a drawer for a day. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you put it back on. Uh, it would probably nudge you and say, hey, yesterday was a really unproductive day. Yeah. Do you want to do stuff today? It has no awareness of the fact that you weren't wearing it. Um, the prompts they give you kind of punish you. Like the classic one is, you know, 10 o'clock, you get a notification from your Apple Watch saying stand up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or go for a short, brisk walk. You know, it's this kind of like, Hey, you're not doing what I've been programmed to tell you to do. Uh, do you want to do it right now? And there's no, yeah. there's no context to say, hey, you know what? I'm sitting on the sofa. Um, maybe now isn't the right time, but the next time I get up, maybe that's when you should notify me uh, and tell me to go on a brisk walk or do something because yeah. you know that that's probably a better time, right? On a sofa, I'm not going to get up, so I, I'm not I, that smart. I, I always find it funny when you're sat in a room with Apple Watch users and it's like ten to the next hour, and everyone sort of looks <laughs> yeah. at their watch. Yeah exactly exactly it's like everyone's part of the same sort of machine and yeah um there's not really much sort of um customization but we sort of digress i think going back to sort of you know the value i found from it is that kind of tackling these soft questions and and understanding how the data doesn't necessarily tell the full picture now Mm -hmm. that's something i've really found valuable in my professional life and it's it's something that i learned purely through qs um i learned it quite simply because what i did is um uh, one of my sort of uh things i do all the time is track my music so since 2009 i'm coming up to a decade last fm exactly exactly in july i'll have a decade's worth of music listening history Mm -hmm. available to me through a service called last fm and uh, about three years ago, I did a very basic viz. I uh, joined up all the dots. This was back before Tableau was really kind of, you know, as big as it is now, I guess. Um, and I used all tricks to bring the data together. I could probably use Tableau Prep for that now. And what was interesting when... <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, connect to the API through that. I, I can't connect to the API, but I could use it to sort of connect uh, the data sets together which is predominantly what okay. i'm doing so gotcha. i'm downloading lots of different data sets from different services in all tricks and right. then once i have them i have what's essentially like a, a music metadata library so each track has its own metadata and mm-hmm. i'm basically just joining that data onto my music listening trends over time and then visualizing it in tablet um, I'll tell you one of my I'll tell you one of my big bugbears with uh, just a lot of QS data in general. Well, yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. just goes back to when I had my Fitbit. Um, mm-hmm. I had HR, mm-hmm. so my, my 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 main two motivators for buying a Fitbit was first of all I wanted to track my heart rate and yep. step count, and third of all I wanted to do sleep. Now, when I had a Fitbit, I, I have an Apple Watch now, but when I had my Fitbit, it was like notoriously difficult to get your super granular second yeah. by second data yeah. out. Like never going to give it to you. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly, and it's like. Yeah. I'm buying this wearable. I'm tracking my data. I want to know at the lowest level of granularity what I can get. But 
Mm-hmm. I can't even see like how many steps I did in a minute. I can't go down to granular and bring it back up. Um, yeah. oh, the only thing I can do is look at the, the Fitbit dashboards. And I think mm-hmm. this is where, um, going back to your earlier point about the data collection and the, the, the development of uh, wearables, one of the big things I've seen personally is they're slowly getting better at visualizing this data, right? I think um, Apple do this quite well. I think we've I've seen a few people um, who have criticized the use of rings, but... I think the rings work well because you're not looking at that granular number. You're looking at whether you're hitting your target and completion to goal is like, am I at that completion to goal? Am I at the hundred percent yet? And you can see that with the ring, that's fine. But when you look at the actual, um, visas behind it, um, you can actually find out whether or not, um, it's able to, you know, pick up those visualizations. So yeah, if you look at the actual app itself, the, the chart, the bar charts and whatever the distance to go on, giving that overview of the last seven days, etc they're actually pretty good i think um mm-hmm. and that's getting better as well lo- alongside the the granularity of data mm-hmm. um i think you've actually pulled some of the apple data out using ultrix right i have i have it so this is this comes down to uh philosophy right so fitbit uh, they don't really have much they don't have an ecosystem to lock you into so that's one of the reasons they're not prepared to just easily give you the intraday data intraday data is minute by minute blow of what's happening on, on these trackers they actually do collect it at that level but what they do is they aggregate it up to the minute because if you think about it from a second point of view the databases would be humongous humongous uh, yeah absolutely so they they aggregate it to the minute and they store it away um, and in the apps you see kind of readouts based on the minute by minute blow but in reality when you export it i think the easiest form to get is a day by day blow now, sure. what's interesting about the Apple ecosystem is that because it uses a privacy-first model, I think it's actually one of the best systems because uh, essentially what happens is your device is the database. Mm-hmm. And when I exported data from Apple Health, um, the it, it collects data at the most granular level that the device that's tracking that information collects it at. So okay. if I think about my phone, my phone will count things like steps, Um, as granular as every second. So it will say, okay, for this second, Tim did this many steps, okay? Mm -hmm. I use a heart rate monitor that's capable of recording multiple readings per second. Mm -hmm. Again, the heart rate monitor will record to Apple Health at multiple readings per second. Um, But something else might only do it per minute. So there's no sort of specified level of aggregation in Apple Health. Uh, because of that, my Apple Health library is about three and a half gigabytes when I explore, <laughs> explore, export it, and it comes out as a JSON readout. So um, it's it's a good thing that this is synced to, uh, to iCloud because it means yep. across devices you can kind of carry it on. But it's an enormous wealth of information, and most of the stuff on there is heart rate readings because my Apple Watch has been tracking that, and then I also do a lot of sports, and so my chest track has been tracking that. So this is something that's getting better and better over time, going back to my earlier point about accuracy and fidelity. Um, depending on the platform you choose, they have various reasons to give you as much granular information as, as they can. Uh, and at least in Apple sense, and also to an extent Google as well, they're actually pretty good at giving you access to the raw data because what they're providing is a platform that other apps can hook into. And in order to do that, you need to kind of be as open as you possibly can. Now, the downside is that, um, you know, this stuff is on your device. It's actually incredibly hard to get it out of your device unless you know what you're doing. Um, And like any sort of, you know, I've always criticized exports from services. They're never that useful because they come in formats that the the, the everyday person just has no no clue what to do with like XML, JSON, um, CSV. You might be able to push, be able to do that, but then you get ridiculously sized CSVs like, you know, a gig, a gig and a half that you can't pass in Excel or something, you know? So this is a really nice segue. I think this is a nice segue back into football analytics. So one Mm -hmm. of the reasons I picked up on this as a side hustle is 
Um, so providers like Opta and uh, more recently got Prozone and Statsbomb. Well, Prozone is now Stats as a company. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these companies do collect all this data. So, for example, if you look at TrackAb, which is tracking data of a player, which yeah. is using uh, multiple cameras around a stadium, and they're looking at the number on the back of a player's shirt and mapping it back to the database. That's taking data at every point um, uh, zero to five of a second. So it's like wow, every yeah. quarter of a second it's taking. Mm -hmm. So you get four data points per second. Mm -hmm. And it's funny when you when you and that comes in a format which is dot dat and an XML. And then you get Opta data, the F24, or um, which is the event level data. So they've got a new one, which is event plus a few other metrics. Um, th that comes in XML format. So if you think about the people that work in analysis at clubs, um, until more recently, it's generally been uh, sports scientists, right? So people right. that have done physiology, they've done sports science, but they've never really been people that use computers. Like, yes, they've done coding because... As part of sports science, they do some coding on matches similar to how Opta do it, where they tag events and clip videos together to say, okay, here's where we had a good shot, a, a fast attack, here are the key events in a game. So when you're playing back a 90-minute match to, to your teammates or the players in the, or, or the staff, they will just quickly see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, when I started working um, with the public data, it was sort of, again, it was aggregated because you know, Opta are selling this as a business. Like they, yeah. it's it's a couple of thousand multiple thousands of pounds uh, to buy the, the access to the data, either by API or exports or whatever you want. Uh, they're able to service that. Um, and one of the most interesting things we found was like, well, these people who are working clubs, yes, they have the idea, they have the, the grounding in the game. They understand the technical aspects, but they're not really mm -hmm. data people. Right. Um, I've been going to the Opta Pro Forum now. I think this was my third or fourth one this year. And it's, it's fascinating to see like the amount of statistical analysis that goes on, people using R and Python, and they're combining all these events together and finding patterns and telling stories with, with the data sets. But mm -hmm. what they're fundamentally, no one ever talks about is the backend. Yeah, like, How exactly. are you passing the data? How are you bringing all these things together? What is the, the function? What's the best way to show this back to a coach or a player to get them to get that insight? And this is the mm -hmm. sort of the ground that I find myself in, like increasingly thinking like building that platform the clubs that I've worked with or I know of, there's only a few doing it in the right way where they've got a database. They've yeah. got a, a data uh, processing platform that they're doing in-house. It's not a second mm -hmm. secondary company. Um, and then they're also doing some bespoke things on the front end. Uh, that's that, the, the club's doing that few and far between. But I think that that is changing given that, you know, um, that the game is changing. Right. Exactly, so. exactly, exactly. And just going back now to a high level, like, it's funny because um, our side hustles have actually given us this sort of unique ability to take uh, this data and it's it's mm -hmm. allowed us to sort of dig into this discussion so from your perspective i think that's one of the things you bring to the opta forum when you when you go there because you actually critique the back end systems you know because right. a lot of a lot of people buy the data but don't necessarily you know they have the data and they're in excel they you know they're kind of working it hard and working it the hard way sorry and um in contrast you know by doing what you've done you've actually been able to go and critique this 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 process Exactly. And, and and that's exactly my, my, my overarching point. It's like this, the, the sort of grounding where it was just sort of an interest. And now I can sort of, I feel I can speak a bit more intelligently, not just about the data and how to pass it and the, the issues that there are within it, but also saying, well, if, what happens if you go beyond counting stats? What was exactly. before you go beyond saying we took seven shots in this match? Like, when did you take them? What was the game state? Were you two goals up or one goal down? Like, mm -hmm. how does... How is the team impacted by those things? And then with the tracking data, it's fascinating because this is such granular data. And if you think about football as a sport or soccer as a sport, it's a game of spaces. Mm -hmm. And when you start 
being able to quantify those spaces and say and detect patterns and spot things that players do or teams do or you know they, they, and then tag that to events that's when you start getting really insightful stuff uh, and that's what's exciting for me at least uh, when you start bringing those things together and getting that insight in you can start having those really interesting conversations with coaches on a level that they understand and they can see um, beyond just like when people generally get out tracking data all they do is plot the x and the y's and watch the games but with scatter plots basically um which which defeats the object in some way right right exactly and that, i think um that's one of the things i think side hustles do is they because you're more passionate about the subject let's take um uh, football analytics yeah. you're naturally football about this is naturally football about analytics you're naturally passionate <laughs> about uh, uh, football analytics here yeah and so um that passion actually drives you to a deep level of understanding within that area maybe yeah. more so than let's say uh you know some of the sort of the drier stuff we do on our day-to-day -day work you know mm -hmm. you know with, with with clients or or with our own businesses right because sure. i think your own business can kind of suffer from this um there were several issues first of all access you don't get as much access to data internally sometimes because of uh, governance and bureaucracy and so when you have ideas it's really hard to run with them because you have to make sure you've got everything in place right yeah uh you just want to prove the value of something by experimenting and innovating but that you, you don't necessarily get that in business now the other thing is that it naturally develops your skills to be able to communicate the challenges Correct. you're having i think one of the first things I learned when I was working with quantified self-data was that bringing these things together wasn't a simple thing. Like I had to really understand that if I was going to make my music data and my moves location data work well together, I had to understand at a very granular level, uh, you know, what I was doing in each minute. So I built out this minute level data set and then I was able to say, okay, in this minute, I was generally here and this is what I was listening to. And then I was able to sort of map those two onto each other and, and then go from there. And it's gotcha. it's a really, really important thing to start to understand. Mm -hmm. And having that passion allows you to ask deeper and deeper and deeper questions to the point where there, you realize that actually there is no end to what you can ask. There is no end to how you can interrogate something. And then when you apply that back to your every day, you suddenly realize there's so much more you can do with your everyday data. Agreed, agreed. And I think um, you mentioned this earlier when you were looking at your quantified self-data through Alteryx. Yeah. Um, it, it sort of exposed you to the download tool and things like this. And I think that definitely harks back to something I've done. So when I started using um, Alteryx, I learned so much about things like the detour tool, like control parameters, mm -hmm. like having the, basically the painful things when you're trying to combine and pivot and pass XML from a really ugly thing mm -hmm. and try and create this repeatable process, which is a macro. Um, that does it what it works. I think um, one of the issues, this was like one of my train projects. So I have a, an right. hour-ish commute. Um, I'd spend an hour in the morning just like tinkering with this sort of thing and getting getting it as far as possible. And basically mm -hmm. ended up with this working prototype until I got to a match where it was nil-nil. So basically I, <laughs> I, I I had one of my passes saying, if there's a goal, pass it out. But then yeah. if it was a nil-nil, there were no goals and there were no assists. Mm -hmm. So basically it was like, well, I can't do it. I can't pass this match. That so I had to create work, a de yeah. exactly. So I had to do a detour <laughs> tool to be like, is there a goal? Is there an assist? And then if not, do a detour to go like this way or this way. And it's like so many of those small nuances about working with data, I was able to work out through a pa pa passion. Like if I was working with, I don't know, um, website visitor data and trying to figure yeah. out how to pass that, I, was, I would have been asleep and I would have moved on really quickly. Like exactly. I would have basically got it working and left it. I wouldn't have tried to make this really perfect, efficient macro that does it automatically yeah. um, i wouldn't have thought about it in such a way where i'm like i really want to get this done because of x y and z 
Um, and, and then finally, um, I think your, your point on wanting to do better because it's a pet passion and trying to drive the other people around you further. That's mm-hmm. definitely something I've done. Like I remember, I think I mentioned my um, crusade on long, for long and wise scatterplots. Right. Okay. Um, that would never have happened if I wasn't like getting angry at people posting wide scatterplots <laughs> on Twitter. Right. Like I would right, never right. have written that. And I wouldn't have thought I need to educate these people about why it's wrong because three years ago, I probably would have done the same, but mm-hmm. now I'm a bit more educated and a bit more um, formalizing data viz best practice. And, the reasons behind doing things, I feel I'm in a place to educate that back to people. And that's the thing. And it's funny because that in itself is, is, is another skill that you pick out of it. So, um, you, you learn actually, you kind of become humbled by the experience, right? You, you go, you go in, I think you go in with this sense of confidence when you're passionate about something. I know, I know everything about football. I know everything about quantified stuff. I've got a Fitbit, you know? Um, and as you go into it, you slowly start to realize, Oh wait, I can't just export this data. And you go, Mm -hmm. huh. Then you, you, someone tells you, Oh, there's an API and you go, okay, API. I wasn't expecting to have to do this this way. And you start working with it and it humbles you. It kind of shows you, it kind of teaches you to give these challenges the right level of respect and that in itself is portrayed by the way you then communicate it to people uh, you, you treat you treat the topic with respect and therefore you, you you're more encompassing about bringing people into your sort of your your skill your your fold and kind of making them understand the challenges that you go through completely and i think that's that's definitely fueled my, my recent like um change in tone has been about a lot about like actually it does matter a lot about who the player is like what they're doing and all this stuff. Like you can't just purely base something on, you know, statistics or numbers. You, know, you can't right. just say um, one of my favorite players, um, Cole Skews is the most pivotal player in the team. Like you can see that you can see mm-hmm. that without him and the team in Ipswich, he's a lot, the team are a lot worse off, but also you've got to take into account his fitness data, which we don't have access to do. You don't yeah. see him in training. You don't see his attitude. You don't see how he changes and the things he brings to the team. Like, um, all of these different things you can't really quantify. It's a lot harder to quantify, and that's what a coach brings to the table. Again, going back to our day-to-day, we go into companies and we try and solve their problems with limited to no knowledge of the field. We don't have that depth of knowledge at a company, and I think those pet passions, these data side hustles, really help you to realize, like, you're not an expert in those things, and, you know, it's... You're really... What you're doing with these things is continuing your learning based on something you're passionate about, and seeing what else you can pick up along the way. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's that's one thing. Um, I remember an experience where I I, I presented to the London uh, Quantified Stuff London Group. The first time I presented, uh, I really didn't know what to expect, and uh, so I just I just you know did a classic talk about um, music, and I talked a lot about Alteryx. I, I mm-hmm. kind of felt like I was selling Tableau and Alteryx at the time because I was a year into my journey, so I was trying to kind of showcase that a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and I. You know, the first few questions I got, like the first question just, just knocked me off the floor. And someone just asked me, like, so why are you doing this? And <laughs> and I, <laughs> at the time I was like, in my head, I was like, because it's cool, okay? Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, I know what I've been listening to for the last eight years. Like, that's cool. And in my head, I could hear myself saying, no, that's not, that's not the right response to him. Come on. Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> and, 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 and what I realized is, okay, so why do I think it's cool? So I drilled into that question in my head and I just started talking out loud here. I was like, okay, so why do I think this is cool? Um, then I explained, like, listen, you, you, you have this idea of listening to music and you, the, the, the really simple thing I always say, you ask someone, what do you listen to? And they come back with two or three artists, okay? 
in reality, you listen to like a plethora of artists. You're not the sum total of two artists, two or three artists. Uh, and the exact opposite, someone goes, oh, I'm really eclectic, right? And mm-hmm. more often than not, when someone says that and I'm able to look at their data on something like Last of Them, they're actually mm-hmm. not that eclectic. There's like a hidden secret between what they listen to. And I'm only able to see this through the attributes of the individual tracks that they listen to. So yeah. they actually arrive and say, no, no, you don't, you're not eclectic at all. You happen yeah. to listen to all these songs, but here's the thing they have in common. They're all acoustic. They'll have the same level of energy. And all mm-hmm. these attributes are measured by other companies. But I'm actually able to sort of draw the, common, the commonalities between what they think is eclectic and what is actually the same. So what you've described as eclectic is actually one thing. It's not eclectic yeah. at all. And so just, just having that discussion out in public was, was the cool thing. And I, I realized, yes, okay, that is actually why I do it. You know, understanding underneath the skin what's going on. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Uh, and I think I the quantified selves is really interesting, like intersection of you sort of sit there and be like, yeah, but why am I doing this? Like, it's funny. Like everyone's like, yeah, but why are you collecting all this fitness data? Like, About yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, <laughs> well, in some ways it's actually, it's changing my behaviors. Cause you start looking at these things and you're like, oh, I did less than last week. Or mm-hmm. you start doing these, like you compete with yourself and others. Um, but also it's, it's, in, I think that one of the key things you mentioned uh, that's really interesting is like the patterns between people. Yeah. Uh, and the insights you can find with that and that 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 then goes back to like if you're able to do this within an organization like you're saying right we're not going to look at x y and z we're actually going to we actually only care about this week what you're doing outside of work right yeah we, let's let's focus on that and then we, you i want you all to come back to use the tools that you're using at your workplace and show me something interesting okay exactly and it's like almost like this five ten percent time right or five percent time whatever you might call it mm-hmm. where you're able to give back to someone and because inherently you're giving someone time back to develop something which is relevant and you're saying use these tools because you're using the tools that you'd use every day anyway um it would just end up being like a benefit in kind maybe not today or tomorrow but in a month's time you're like oh i I worked on that because i had to change this data set from this ugly thing to something else and then i visualized it like this maybe i can use a similar visual to portray this finance data when we're trying to compare seven different products right 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 and and that's and that's that's one of the that's what also one of the sort of um unique aspects about it is that it, i always call quantified self as digital narcissists because <laughs> <laughs> that's totally what you guys are it, it, it is exactly that but i hate narcissist the, the, the term narcissist because it sounds so negative yeah, um, yeah. but but it, it, it's funny because like why wouldn't you take an interest in who you are and what makes you you right and understand yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah, because yeah. At a high level, you have no you, you you think you know what's going on around you. Like you think you know what you did yesterday in incredible amounts of detail. But mm-hmm. actually, you're very transit. Uh, humans are very transient beings. We focus about the now and the future. Yeah. We, we, although we like to think we reflect on the past, we don't actually keep that much uh, no. in the past, apart from painful experiences. That's Correct. that's what that's what we that's what we carry forward. And so the good stuff just kind of blows on by. And so yeah. just having this understanding of how you work and the transition, I think, is really interesting. Um, and I think in in a business context, this is absolutely the same skill that you need to have, but you're applying it not to yourself, but to your own business. And so mm-hmm. it's the same sort of inquisitive nature that you'd apply to yourself. If you apply it to your business and you create a culture where people can do the same thing, then people start asking really fascinating questions about the way you do things rather than just assuming that that's the way they're done. The questions will always get better, right? The, right. I think uh, I think um, Tom, our boss, always talks about this concept of if you ask one question a day publicly out loud, no matter how difficult or not so difficult it might be 
um, you just your questions inherently just get better and better, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 holds true with quantify itself. It even holds true with football analytics. The more you yeah. dig into this stuff, the more you find out. I think one of the big big like topics these days is all about automation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and automation is a funny one because with quantify itself, you always talk about active and passive, right? Right, right. And I think for the last six months, I've been using an app called Reporter. Mm-hmm. And in the last like, I'd say two or three weeks. So Reporter is this app done by a guy called. Um, created by uh, Nicholas Feltron, um, who had these incredible, incredible reports mm-hmm. um, about himself, basically. He did a yearly report about his year based on data and infographics. And uh, one of the tools he used to do this was an app called Reporter. Now, I started off using this quite enthusiastically. Like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is going to be great. Like, yeah, I'm going to have a, I know what a you're month. About to say. Yeah. A month. Yeah. And, then and then I'm just like, whenever I get a ping, so it's, it picks um, six random times throughout a day, I'm just like, oh. Fatigue, yeah. I'm just like, do I need to go through? I'm now, I'm now just like sporadically. And I'm just going to basically think about this in a year's time and say, right, let's look at the frequency of reports. And also, let's also look at the fact that the thing that I'm, I'm now trying to get out of it is when am I reporting? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, why? Exactly. Yeah. When am I yeah. sending these reports myself? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then comparing that to the passive data collection that I have, right? Like steps, my right. heart rate, um, or like, I don't know, Twitter history. When am I tweeting? All of this stuff. Um, and it, combining all that together, I think is will be more interesting. But I think actively passive is a really interesting conversation as well. Yeah, uh, especially with quantified itself. And again, in business, I, I I'll reiterate this again. It's you know the um, the the thing I the reason I always uh, harp on about passive uh, collection. So active and passive. What Ravi's talking about is essentially this philosophy in uh, quantified self, which uh, I think uh, I don't know. I don't know if I came up with it, but I think I, d- I read it from somewhere. And mm. the idea is that uh, active is when you're physically collecting the data yourself. So you're getting a ping on your phone, you're filling out a form, and then you're storing the data somewhere. Passive mm. is where you're not having to do that. Um, something is doing it for you in the background. So for me, when I listen to music, I don't have to log that somewhere. There's a service called LastFM which is doing it for me. It's Scrubble. Exactly. Um, I've set up another passive way of tracking when I'm at home and not. And the way I do that is I have a Wi-Fi router that's hooked into if this, then that. And so every time my phone or my watch or my laptop connects to the network, it logs mm-hmm. it. And so I have a pretty accurate reference for when I'm at home and when I'm not at home, just based on when my devices connect to the network, because I'm never at home without one of those three devices, right? So yeah. um, that, that that's a very good active and passive way, rather than me saying, uh, oh, hello, Foursquare. Okay, Swarm. Okay, let me check in. Or even, home. even Amazon Dash button to be like, I'm home. Let me press this <laughs> yeah, button. Let me press this button. Right, exactly. It's like the thing about this Wi Fi collection is that, yes, it might over report when I'm at home because, you know, I might leave my phone at home and go out to the shops very quickly, but my watch will disconnect and connect. So I've got, I've got such a good a level of accuracy there in aggregate compared to me manually maybe forgetting one or two times. And so the quality of the analysis I then get from that is much higher. Same with location tracking. I don't do that myself. I have an app that does it. And it doesn't have to tell me exactly where I am, but it just needs to capture the general trend. And when you have that quality of data, it's much, much richer. Now, the thing where, you know, passive can't work is with feelings and emotions because correct. going back to where you're talking about when you track, when you do um, active forms of tracking, what it tends to work better for... Um, when you're trying to measure sort of your mental health or Correct, well-being yeah. or things that are, you know, things that trigger and therefore you think, let me monitor this, right? 
Mm-hmm. And over time, when you become fatigued, what you end up doing is only recording the, the more negative aspects. So if you're sort of tracking your mood and you have to log it manually, what ends up happening is you only ever log it when you're unhappy because you want to make sure you've got that as a reference point. But you yeah. don't like stop in the middle of, I don't know, roller coaster ride. Say, let me log this while I'm going up and down this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this, tr- this trough, right? This feels great, but you're not pulling out your phone and, and logging it uh, straight away. In fact, you, you just, you're just enjoying yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh, active passing tends to suffer from this sort of very negative skew where you capture more about the bad stuff than the good stuff because the good stuff well, why why would you monitor so, so I'm actually having a quick look at my reporter and um, <laughs> it, it's honestly like so when, when am I reporting I'm reporting when I'm watching TV traveling texting or chatting yeah well, exactly mostly when I'm at home um, what else am I like yeah and my my because there's also like you can turn it off when you sleep when you wake up so you've got questions to ask when you wake up about your quality of sleep and also when you go to sleep about your day in general and your feelings towards it. And again, that's so sporadic. I have so few data points on that because it's like, before you go to bed, am I going to press that button? Probably not because I'm doing other stuff. Yeah. Um, like I'm busy or I'm just, just like flat out and I've just gone to sleep. Exactly. Like, um, exactly. But yeah, I think your, your point on um, when you do it, I think that that's really interesting because um, it's definitely something people use in mental health, like to, to track behaviors and how you feel. Um, just so you know psychiatrists and psychologists have that information to go back to saying like okay cool so when i'm around tim i'm always feeling really depressed right for example yeah, um nice <laughs> and that that, that 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 sort of feeling and tracking just to help people be more aware of their emotions um it does help it does help yeah exactly and so if i take this back to sort of a business context where this has really helped me is that you know whenever i'm talking to clients about the way they collect their data and how they bring it in yeah i'm always leaning towards the more passive systems because i inherently know that for the things that they're trying to track apart from the qualitative stuff like mm-hmm. this is actually the more valuable side of things so look if you can just spend a little bit more time getting out of your form culture and into your sort of um you know uh, sort of automatic data collection and just have have systems that collect data on behalf of people so a they're more likely to input when they need to because i know that that quality of data isn't going to be there inherently in a good way and you're also taking a cognitive load off the user for having to remember to do a whole bunch of other stuff so i find it easier to track my mood because i don't have to track all these other things i have to think about 35 different things that i could track passively and those are 35 things i don't have to manually track and that makes it so much easier to track one simple thing like say my diet when i'm eating or something because there's still no good way of tracking food automatically and i think the, the best way i found is um my fitness pal uh barcode scanning so it has a really good barcode database so you can scan something you're eating and it will grab the calorie data of its own database and input it to health for you which is great mm-hmm. um but i still have to do the manual task of opening my camera apps try to scan in the barcode and I'm hoping this is one of those features that Apple Sherlock and then just build it into the camera app so that you can, ju- <laughs> you can just take a picture of a barcode and it tell you all the nutritional information about the food without you having yeah. to open another app. Um, genuinely, genuinely, that would be a life-changing uh, feature for so many people, honestly. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's I digress. Um, <laughs> um, these principles carry through to the business and it's, it's so it's so valuable when people do that because it also brings a different um, a different... What is it? Um, what's the word ethos. I'm looking for? Ethos. Um, uh, no subject areas. Different subject areas. People who think differently, who yeah. are creative in a different way, 
end up interacting with your data in these awesome ways. And they borrow concepts. I borrow concepts from Quantified Self all the time. Uh, they've got nothing to do with most of the client stuff I, I, I work with, but the chart types, the ways yeah. of manipulating data, dealing with sort of obscure things. And like you say, coming across edge cases and realizing that when you build systems, you have to touch, test these edge cases thoroughly, right? Yeah. You, can't, you can't just build something, hey, it looks great. And then as soon as you have a nil-nil game, Ravi realizes, oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, perfect, <laughs> a perfect example is my World Cup dashboard, right? That was a lot of manual data collection. But yeah, like, yeah. W- once we got to the second round, and my um, my thing where players come on and off the the the, the team sort of structure, mm-hmm. I didn't factor into you know extra time. So it's like taking left two of the numbers, like oh yeah, yeah, ninetieth minute, that's all they're going to be. <laughs> and then suddenly you've got a player coming off in the twelfth minute. It's like hang on a second, there definitely Wait was interesting, but it yeah. was because it was one hundred twentieth minute. Oh man. Just rookie errors all around. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so no. it's funny. It's funny how that that um, that all all kind of plays out, and I think it's a really valuable thing. I guess I guess the now um, the so what is that um, we've touched a bit already, but actually enabling people to have these um, things and hackathons is such a good way of doing that, right? Yeah, agreed. Like running a hackathon internally, even if it's within your own data. So we've, I've sort of seen this in two different places, right? So you can either have a hackathon on internal data where you're saying you're saying right, okay, the incentive is you get to present this back to the C-suite or senior management and show your ideas and what you can do. Or I've also seen this as like, here's a theme, here's some data, tell us something interesting, use these yeah. tools, right? Yeah. And that that both work in their own sort of way. Um, the first one probably takes a bit more like coaching on the tools. Um, the second one is a bit more fun uh, and perhaps gets a bit more engagement. But at the end of the day, it's about giving employees time and sort of saying this is this is interesting. This matters to us. We really do want to have our employees work on this sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. And and also, I think um, in terms of uh, how else do you support these uh, people to do these things? Um, like it's, it sort of goes without saying. We have access to incredible software that does all this stuff, and part of that is being able to actually, you know, take my. Uh, copy of tableau or all tricks and be able to do what professionals do with the data but yeah. to do it with with this hobby and it's it's one it's a really important thing that to, to recognize that you know people like tableau they actually enable you to do that through things like tableau public so you know, take advantage of free software and training courses and let people go on that one day training course that might not sound like it's got anything relevant to do with your everyday business uh, work but actually the skills they'll learn they'll pick up or give them a passion in data and also data literacy, like you're, you're fundamentally talking about building people's literacy levels, everything we're talking about, whether it's reading or writing, as we talked about before, right? And so uh, just investing in people's yeah. literacy alone in this sense really, really helps give back to your business as well. Exactly. Cool. That's a good episode. A, yeah, it's been a it's been a good episode. I think we 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 indulged a bit. We came a bit off track. We went into our passions, um, but it's all worth the while. Hopefully, just to try and highlight um, how valuable we think it is, you know, to our own development, also how it can be to to, to others. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, with another episode. Um, mm-hmm. Please keep the feedback uh, coming in. Um, as a reminder, we've changed our name and branding, so we're at datonpodcast.com. And we're on Dayton Pod on Twitter. So much, much easier to find. No what, not what, nots anymore. <laughs> uh, I keep digging that because I'm literally, I'm so glad every time I have to say this now. I'm just like, ah, oh, it's so much better. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so much so, easier. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue a lot more. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and and as ever, um, we rarely ask for support in this way, but if you can uh, give us a rating on whatever pan- podcast platform uh, you listen to, that would help because apparently that's becoming the currency for uh, the podcast uh, wars that are going to be coming up in the future. So platforms are going <laughs> to start uh, kind of siphoning off podcasts to lots of different places. So yeah, if you can rate us, that would really help us as well. So we, we, we know what we're doing and we can improve and make sure we're getting to the right places. Cool. Fantastic. Cheers, everyone. Have a good one. All right. Take it easy.